Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Milestone Episode 10 of the Goal Line Podcast, where we focus on trying to make you a better leader on and off the field. So I'm joined by a close friend here today. His name is AJ Yule. Uh, backstory on AJ and I. So AJ and I first met at Centenary. Uh, we were both GAs at the time. I was on soccer, or I was coaching soccer, obviously. He was coaching basketball. Um, so we met there both both in our first year as GAs and just struck up a friendship from there. And then we'll get into AJ's story a little bit as we move on. But AJ, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Jess, thanks for having me, man. Um, really proud of everything you're doing with this platform and just happy to be a part of it. Oh, man, you're too good to me. I appreciate that, Ad. So, um, oh, yeah, for you guys might hear me call him Adj, um, AJ. So it's something I like to do. Don't don't ask why. But, um, but yeah, so, AJ, you're from the upstate New York area. So uh, we'll, we'll just we'll start with your college basketball career. So, AJ, you had a stellar four-year career at Mount St. Mary's in New York. Just what was so great so you guys won 82 games over a four-year stretch which is the best four-year stretch in school history so what what was it about that team that kind of brought everything together to help achieve that yeah um you know obviously my time at Mount St. Mary um I think has shaped me as a person in a ton of ways um but you know I I think the reason why we were able to be so successful um was just the ability of, of guys from you know, the senior class, when I was a freshman, I was part of a really large recruiting class. Uh, my coach's first recruiting class, actually. Um, you know, so I was one of nine guys that that came in. And um, just the, the older guys being able to kind of take us under their wing and, and, and show us um, how how to win and, and, and what we needed to do to become better players and, and um, just a complete buy-in from, from all you know, 17, 18 guys on the roster, regardless of what your role was, understanding that, you know, you were playing a big role in us being successful. Um, you know, I think yeah. that's really the biggest thing I took away from it. So how, so if we're talking 17, 18 guys on a basketball team, which is incredible, how, like how did, what do you think your coach did or the coaching staff, I should say, did to help keep that many guys happy? Yeah, um, you know, it, it was it was a lot of of them just making sure that they connected with us on a level that was outside of basketball, um, you know, and just making sure that that guys understood that, you know, you might not be playing in the games on Thursday night or Saturday afternoon, but because of the work that you put in in practice to push the guy that is playing, you know, this win was just as much yours as it was his. And I think that was something that, um, you know, as we moved along in the, in the four years that I was there, um, it really trickled through the whole program and, and guys really bought into that idea. And I think that was a huge reason why we were able to be so successful. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's interesting because I think when you're 18, 19 years old and you're asked to come in, essentially just push the starter a little bit more. You know, it's hard to have that, to find that right 18 and 19 year old. And I was talking to uh, a previous guest and we, and we were, and we just talked about environment and how a coach really can make or break that player's potential and, or, you know, even break that player. And so, you know, I, I think your coach, I guess, obviously did a really good job of finding ways to, 
to bring everyone together. So that's pretty impressive, especially in basketball when, you know, most teams only go, I would assume nine or 10 deep. So it's very crazy. But um, so you finish up a great four years at Mount. Now, when did you start to have the process that, or the thought process that I want to get into coaching? And did your coach at Mount kind of inspire you and make you feel like you wanted to get in coaching while you were there? Yeah. Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, growing up playing basketball and, and a bunch of other sports, um, you know, it was such a huge part of my childhood and my life, you know, from the time I was, you know, four or five years old. And, you know, I was now as a coach, obviously I'm doing something with basketball basically every day. Um, I think I really was a little bit different than most guys in my situation. Obviously, you know, I'm coaching at the level that I played at. Um, and a lot of guys kind of get into it right out of right out of college, um, you know. But I, I really, I really didn't know that I wanted to coach at this level, uh, you know. Really, until I would say Christmas of you know 2015, when I was coaching at my alma mater at my high school um, at the JV level, and I just kind of realized that it was what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I wouldn't have been able to achieve, you know, a level of helping people like I wanted to in really any other line of work better than it would be from coaching basketball. Um, you know, so I talked with my college coach about it and, you know, kind of said, I want to make this a career. And, uh, you know, he put me in contact with Tim, you know, April of 2016. And I guess the rest is kind of history from there. Yeah, for sure. So, let me ask you one more question about your time at Mount. So what was it about your coach at Mount that, or what was something that you admired? Because that, like there had to have been something that some type of charisma that he had to, to kind of bring everyone together. So I, I want to ask what that, like, what was it for you that attract that attracted you to him? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the one thing was he was incredibly confident in his ability to build a program and his ability to uh, install a, a system offensively, defensively, that was going to work. And, um, you know, obviously winning, winning cures all, you know, you hear that saying all the time and we were able to get off to such a fast start that first year that I think without even kind of knowing it, you know, you basically had to buy in because it was working and you couldn't be the guy that wasn't playing that was upset because you weren't playing when you look up and you're 15 and four at one point, you know? So um, I just think his confidence was something that, that kind of, that kind of draws people to, to him and, and is, you know, something that I try to take into, you know, myself as a coach in terms of just being prepared and being confident in, in what I'm saying to players or, you know, maybe when I come to Tim with a, with a new idea, or something that I know that it's, you know, it's been well vetted, it's been well thought out. And, and, and I think I get that from, you know, playing for Ryan Kadlebowski at Mount St. Mary. Yeah. That's, you know, winning does cure all, but I still, you know, it's crazy because even I just, I just still feel that in a, in such a big team environment, there's always going to be one person who like might have that slight negative attitude who kind of look, just only cares about himself. You guys didn't have that at all. Like that, that one person, like I should be playing over this guy. I'm better than him. Yeah. Is there, was there? I think that you're going to find that everywhere. I think you're right. Um, you know, but I think when you have, you know, 
90 to 95% of that roster is going one way and they're bought into what's going on, regardless if they're playing or not. And again, like you said earlier, you know, it, it takes a special kind of person to, you know, not play a whole lot on game day and still be bought into what's going on. Um, but I think when, when you have 90 or 95% of the roster kind of rowing the boat in one direction, so to speak, and the rest of the guys are going another way, you know, that, that doesn't really, it doesn't really resonate or it doesn't really take shape the way it would if you had eight or nine guys that could be influenced by that. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, being able to win 82 games in four years and, and have the, you know, the retention rate that our roster had, um, it's very rare at this level to have a, a nine-man recruiting class and have all nine guys graduate and play for four years. Um, but, you know, we, we were able to do that again. I think it, it, it kind of is to what you spoke to just having, having, you know, the right people in the right role. And, um, you know, we had two guys my senior year that, that started on our, on a team that won 21 games that, that, and myself included that, that didn't play basically at all for the first year and a half of their college careers. So, um, you know, again, I think it was just, the, the right mix of people at the right time at the right school. Yeah, that's, I want to know how, how I, I guess it's a little bit of luck too that, you know, so that these kids kind of just all, you know, all, I'm going to use the term invest. I uh, just heard it on, it's actually talking to another coach on my previous, one of the previous episodes, uh, we use the term invest over buying, just a little side, little tangent there. But um, sure. yeah, you know, it, t- it takes like the the right type of people, but it's just, it's pretty mind blowing to me that nine, nine guys in the same recruiting class, especially in basketball, will all graduate together. So that's pretty impressive. But yeah. uh, so we'll fast forward. And, you know, this is what I, the, what we're about to get into is what I really admire about you and your work, work ethic. So you get hired as a GA at Centenary. So it's only you and Tim and a couple other volunteer coaches. So essentially it's just you and Tim every day in the office doing what needs to be done. Now, what I find so admiring is what, like, what else did you do on the side of that to help, to help, I mean, to help you survive it essentially? Yeah. Um, you know, my job, my time at Sunday. Wait, wait, hold on. So, so talk about, so guys, he's on a, he's a, he's a GA and he has a uh, small stipend. And if any of you know coaching, um, you know, we're talking about a small division three school with not a lot of money. So you can only imagine how much that yearly stipend is. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, my, my time at Centenary was, was an unreal time. Um, you know, like you said, I took a job making very little money. Um, I was paying a lot more in, in rent than I was making at the time, um, you know, just to kind of try and see if this was really what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have some savings from a job that I had for the first two and a half years out of college. Um, and I was living at home, so I was able to make, you know, make and save some money. Um, but really, the the lucky part was just being able to take a job with somebody you know, in Tim, who had been really successful at Centenary, um, had, you know, brought that program to a place that they had never been before. And, you know, he was willing to teach me and to just, you know, take a chance on a, on a 24 year old high school coach. Um, And, you know, really, I, I didn't have to do a whole lot in terms of the the second job thing until I got to Cal Lutheran not to kind of fast forward to that, but, um, you know, I, I, um, 
I was only at Centenary for 10 months, you know, and that you kind of look right. up, you look up, it's April and you're moving to California. It's just kind of a whirlwind of, of, of everything. Um, so yeah. So what, what, did, what did year one Centenary teach you? Like what, did you start kind of developing your own philosophies or understanding the college game? What were some of your biggest takeaways from year one? Yeah. Um, you know, you're, when, when you get, when you get into there, when you get into that role into coaching, um, at the college level, especially at the division three, you kind of hinted at it earlier. Um, it's a small staff, you know, so I had my hand in essentially every part of the program, um, that Tim felt comfortable with giving to me. So I was the recruiting coordinator. I was in practice every day. I was breaking down film. I was creating scouting reports. Um, you know, but I was also sweeping the floor before practice and, you know, putting the balls away. So I was kind of, you know, doing everything. Um, and I just think the one thing I learned was, you know, if you're willing to put the work in and you're willing to work hard, you know, the right things are going to happen to you. I'm a big believer in just, you know, if you work hard, um, the right opportunity is going to find you at the right time. And I think it was pretty evident that, you know, only knowing Tim for nine or 10 months, um, you know, he felt comfortable enough to take me with him to his next job. And I think that was because of the work that I was, that I put in for him, you know, that year at Centenary. Yeah, for sure. So talk about that next job. So we're at a small school in New Jersey and then Tim, the head coach gets a, gets a new job out in Thousand Oaks, California, uh, Cal Lutheran. So a beautiful campus. I actually never had the pleasure. Unfortunately, I never got out there, but I only heard great things about the campus, about the community around it. And obviously being in California is great in itself. So um, what were some of the differences in from year one at Centenary to year two and three at Kowloon? Kind of what what did you learn from now going from, you know, year one at a small school to year three with one year under your belt? And how what kind of philosophies or core values are you starting to develop as a coach? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously just being, um, you know, just being around, um, you know, different people in a different region is so, um, incredible. People say that all the time, like, you know, people in California are different or it's just different out there and you don't really, or at least I didn't really understand it until, until I got out there. Um, you know, but, but I think in terms of philosophy and in, in coaching, um, you know, I think your philosophy is dynamic, you know, it's, it continues to evolve throughout your career. And, you know, it's really shaped through the experiences that you gain from working with different people in different situations. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really try to focus on, on four things um, in terms of, you know, um, just building uh, a program, building relationships with people, um, and that's empowerment, uh, authenticity, you know, discipline and, and respect. And I think if you can act with those four, you know, core things in mind every day and, and really just make it who you are, um, you know, I think you're going to be pretty successful in building a program. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Especially you touched on a, a very important one that I think is that all coaches need to understand and that's relationship building especially in the college ranks, when we're talking about recruiting, um, it's essentially relationship building. So what is one thing that you kind of, that you try to touch on when you're recruiting a potential student athlete? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think um, the, the biggest thing is, is just, you know, vetting guys to make sure that they're good people. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're under so much pressure as coaches to find the next, the next good player, the next guy that can carry a program to a conference championship or the next guy you can build around or whatever it is that you're looking for as a program. Um, that a lot of people, especially when you're talking division three and you're not talking about, um, you know, being able to offer somebody a scholarship and you're almost trying to, trying to sell your program, you know, to, to get guys to, to really want to be a part of it. Um, you know, I, I think the important thing is that you can, you can vet guys uh, properly by finding out, you know, um, who they are as people. And what I mean by that is how do they talk to their coaches? How do they accept coaching? You know, maybe you're at a game and you see a guy who, who is, isn't playing very well. Well, is he still, is he throwing his hands up and arguing with the official the whole night or is he trying to do the next thing right? Um, how do guys interact with their parents, with their teammates? Um, you know, is this the kind of person that I can be around every day for the next four years? And can I win with him? Um, because I, I know a lot of people who I enjoy being around who I know that, you know, maybe when it comes to, okay, the chips are on the table and we need, we need to make a play or we need to do something that's going to, you know, kind of, uh, shape the way our, our program goes for the next, you know, foreseeable future, you know, are they able, are they able to get the job done? Um, and that's a, that, that's an, that's an incredibly tough thing to, to do, you know, when you're talking to a 17 year old kid on the phone. Um, so I think that that's the most important thing is just being able to vet people and understand that, you know, we're going to win with great people first. Um, before great players, before, you know, even great students, are you, are you a good person? Can you, you know, can you care about the people around you in a way that's going to separate you from everybody else? Well, yeah, that, no, I mean, dude, that, that's great because I think when, when we talk about recruiting, obviously the first thing that's going to catch your eye is skill, but, you know, as I've seen in my playing day, skill isn't what builds championship teams. It's more character. And, and people in general. Uh, just going back to to my experience winning our first conference championship in 2013, you know, we necessarily weren't the most skilled team in our conference, but you know, we had good leadership. We had a just good team team build to us. We had great people, and we all you know invested together. And you know, you you said it best. You know, we're, we're going to win with great people. So absolutely love that. So Let, now let's do this. Let's talk about. So now Tim, you're in your third school in four years. What were some of the, I guess, differences in each of the schools in talking with the players? Kind of how do you, how are you adjusting your coaching styles to different schools? I mean, I know the type of kids that are at Centenary. I, I kind of have an idea of the type of kids that were at Cal Lutheran because we were talking about it and kind of have an idea of the kids at Waynesburg. So, you know, what, how do you deal with the different egos on each roster? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that in some capacity as an assistant, you know, your career path is going to follow that of your boss, whether, whether you like it or not. And I think Tim has carved out an incredible niche in division three as somebody that rebuilds programs. Um, you, you look at the, you look at the, the success he was able to have at Centenary in such a short amount of time, um, you know, did things at that school that had never been done before. And, you know, at Cal Lutheran, obviously, 
you know, only being out there for two years, I don't think that was something that either of us expected. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that we were on the right path to turning that program into what the administration believed it could be. Um, and now at Waynesburg, I think we're, we're doing the same thing. Um, and to be honest, I, I see a lot of, a lot of similarities between Waynesburg and Centenary. Um, I really do. And I don't know if it's just because I, my, my experience at Cal Lutheran is because of, um, or was with, you know, just people from the other side of the country and, and it really is that different or, or if the, you know, Waynesburg and Centenary really do have that kind of connection to one another. Um, but, but I think that, you know, the, I'll say this, I think the most challenging part of, of being a new staff and, and being, um, and being there for your first year is just that, you know, that is that you're new, um, and everything's different. Um, I, I think that this experience and, and being at my third school in four years, I think it's really allowed me, um, to improve my ability to just build relationships with all different types of people, because, you know, as you're trying to build a relationship with a recruit or as you're trying to build a relationship, you know, maybe with your new athletic director, you're also building relationships with the people in your program. So you're essentially recruiting those guys as well. Um, and I think that the, the importance of a support staff and what I mean by that is, is, you know, the, the people around your program that interact with your athletes every day is, is so incredibly important. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that those are the important things when you're talking about, you know, just being at different places. Right. So especially going into a new school. So, you know, kids are smart these days. They're able to look into things. So, you know, we're talking, let's talk about Waynesburg. So the Waynesburg kids are seeing Tim's been at Sendair for four years, Calu for two. So essentially Tim's been at uh, three years as well so how, how do you guys get them or get the kids from Waynesburg now to buy in or to invest into your philosophy into your values when you know in the back of their minds they might be thinking oh man well he's just going to be here for three years and then leave yeah you know I, I think that um that's something that you need to do every day you have to prove that every day um you know and I, and I think that you know obviously the opportunity um for for Tim you know, at Waynesburg is an incredible one. You know, like you said, he grew up in the Pittsburgh area, um, had a chance to get back to a league that he was familiar with, get back to an area with legitimate contacts like we talked about earlier. Um, you know, I, I, I think that everybody kind of sees the fit there. Um, you know, Tim, Tim's going to be at Waynesburg for, for the foreseeable future. And, um you know, I think the, the the fit and the tie to that area and the region is is a legitimate one. So um, I don't I don't know if necessarily we ran into any guys or anybody in our program that maybe thought that, you know, when you look at his last couple of years, he's bounced around a little bit. Um, I, I think we've done a really good job as a staff at just, you know, proving our our loyalty to Waynesburg and to the program as, as, you know, we did that every day. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's tough, but I guess when you're, when you're talking to these kids, you know, yeah, every, like you said, every day, you just want, you want to build that investment to the program, you know, and try not to get, you know, I don't think most kids are kind of thinking that their coach is going to leave them anyway. 
Um, but you know, it, it's good that, you know, every day, like you mentioned, you're trying to get, get those kids to consistently invest. So, um, let me, let me, let's take, I want to go back a step and talk about your decision to turn away the head coaching job. So did you also feel like you just wanted another year as an assistant to kind of fully make sure you're ready? Like, would you say if, I know we talked about good and great opportunities, but if a pretty, pretty darn good opportunity arose today for you to take a coach, would you feel ready or would you feel like you need a, another year or two under your belt as an assistant to kind of develop your own style, your own values, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think as a young assistant, I think you're always looking for, um, you know, a great, you know, the, the next good opportunity or, or a way to, you know, grow as a coach. Um, and I, I think that the difference between being an assistant and being a head coach is is massive. And obviously, that's just an opinion. Um, I haven't had that um, opportunity or, you know, I, I haven't done it yet. Um, but I think that um, you're never really going to be ready for something until you do it, you know. So um, I'm not I don't know if it was necessarily a time thing for me or as much as it was just a fit. Um, you know, I, I think that when the right opportunity comes to, to take over my, my own program that, you know, I think my, my, the things that I've gone through as an assistant will, will definitely help me. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, I need another year, so to speak. I think it's just more, you know, making sure it's the right opportunity to be successful. So when you do finally take that head coaching job, wherever it may be, when you start to hire assistants, what what are you going to look for in, in them? Yeah, I think the first thing is that you need to find somebody that wants to coach. Um, you know, a lot of times, like you said, we were both GAs at Centenary. A lot of times that position can be filled with somebody that just wants to get their master's. You know, and, and I think if you don't have a guy that wants to be a coach, and wants to work with young people and is passionate about, you know, that side of things that you're not going to get everything that you need out of that assistant. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that little office in, in Hackettstown, New Jersey taught me a, a lot about that. And Tim leaned on me really heavily, um, you know, to do a lot of different things. And, and sometimes I think back and I think that had I just been looking to get my MBA that, I wouldn't have felt as much pressure to, to, to do a good job with that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that, that's the first thing. And then obviously you want somebody who's, who's organized, somebody who is, who's intelligent and, and somebody who, you know, ultimately feels comfortable challenging your ideas. Um, you can yeah, find, no, I think, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. If you can find somebody that that's, that's, you know, comfortable enough to tell you, that, you know, well, you know, I think we should be doing things this way, but we're doing it this way. Like, what do you think? Um, you know, as opposed to somebody that's just going to agree with everything you say, um, because as a, as a coach, you know, you, you need that. You need different opinions and you need different things that can, that can change the way you look at a situation. Yeah. Um, and, and that is, that is huge. And, you know, I think a lot of times assistants might just be, yes men where they're just going to do everything the coach says and you know i was talking to another uh head coach like a couple weeks ago and and he asked me what the role of an assistant was and i was like to challenge the head coach and you know and i think that's why 
I really enjoyed my time at Centenary because my relationship with Josh, uh, who was on episode one, it was so strong that I had no problem telling him what I thought, whether he, you know, he could have said, no, I completely disagree, but at least like I'm getting my thought out there and I'm not holding anything back. And I feel comfortable enough in a situation to where I'm going to express what I think. And, you know, he could completely disagree, but you know, even if the coach disagrees, I still think that they'll appreciate you at least trying to come up with a new solution or a new new way to do things. And it still kind of gets their mind flowing. So I think that's that's a huge piece that you touched on. Yeah, you know, and I think it kind of all wraps into, you know, that decision about being, you know, being a head coach in, in, instead of being an assistant where you have to go from making a suggestion, like you just said, to making that final decision and how much tougher that that really is to do. Um, when the future of your program is kind of riding on that, on that. So um, it's kind of funny how it all comes together like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you also mentioned when, when you're looking for an assistant, you got to get somebody that wants to coach. So we kind of skipped over this. So what else were you doing in California? Because as most people should know, rent isn't cheap in California. So what else did you do to make sure that you were able to coach? Yeah. Um, you know, Thousand Oaks, California is a beautiful place. Uh, it's sunny and probably 80 degrees every single day with no humidity. Um, don't know where it is. It's 10 miles from Malibu, uh, probably 30 miles from downtown LA. Um, 10, 10 miles from Malibu, but it takes four hours to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but I, like you said, incredibly expensive, especially for, you know, a part-time assistant coach that's, that's living alone. <laughs> um, so basically I, I, uh, I drove for Uber, um, basically like 30 to 50 hours every single week, um, in the season, out of the season, it didn't really matter. Um, you know, during the week I was getting up around 4am and driving people to the airport. Um, you know, probably getting back to my place around 637, um, just so I could grab a workout and, and get into the office by 8am. Um, and then on the weekends, I was basically driving all day. Um, so, oh, you know, yeah, for, for two full years, I, I had two full-time jobs. Um, you know, you're working like 16 to 18 hour days. Um, when you factor in that Uber shift in the morning, and then you're in the office all day, you know, you have practice a game, maybe you have a recruit on campus, something like that. And then you're home at night and you're calling recruits, you know, making your calls for the night. So it was, it was a lot. Um, you know, but again, I, I think it, it really, it really forced me to just to grow up a little bit, you know, and, and to, you know, it tested my, you know, want to coach. Um, and, and I think um, I always considered myself a hard worker, but really I, I had never done anything like that in my life. So um, yeah, I got no. back at that experience and be incredibly happy with the way I handled it. No, absolutely. It's, it's very admirable to see you, you know, a lot of people will say that they want to do whatever it takes, but you know, you were really doing whatever it took just yeah. so you could, so you could coach, right. We're not talking about like start a business and make some more money, right. We're just talking about just so you could coach and you know, you don't, you don't get in this business, I guess, for money is what I always tell people. So you do right. it because you love kids, you love the game, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, that's an awesome story, but um, so let's do this. So you finished four years of coaching. What have you learned about yourself? In what areas did you see yourself grow the most from year one to year four? Yeah. During year five? Yeah. Um, you know, again, I, I kind of said it earlier. I, I've always, I've always um, thought or viewed myself as a hard worker, as a leader. 
Um, those are two things that I always kind of kind of thought of myself as from being, you know, just a player, you know, growing up and, and as a, as a person, I think those are two characteristics that I've always kind of had with me. Um, but you know, that stuff, that, that stuff has grown. Um, it's grown so much um, just because of kind of what I talked about earlier with having to, having to figure out a way to make it work and never, you know, um, never having, never complaining about it or, or, or throwing in the towel. I think that it's something that, you know, I'm really, I'm really proud of. Um, it's something that I can look back at and, and, and be really proud of. Um, but I, but I just think my communication skills with people and my ability to, to foster relationships have been the biggest two things that, um, have, have grown and have, you know, kind of changed the way I look at situations. Yeah. I mean, it, communication is always going to be, I think your most, not maybe the most, but definitely top three, most important tool as a coach, just based on recruiting parents, faculty members, team, especially, you know, getting, making sure they're able to understand your message. So, um, you know, being able to develop the communication is, is pretty key. So, Last question I'll ask. It's a it's a little bit of a tricky one, but you know I'm very curious to to see what do you want. I guess each so every time you go to a program, or let's say Centenary, uh, Alu, Waynesburg, what do you want these kids? If you were to leave, you know tomorrow, what do you want these kids to have said about Coach Yule? So Coach Yule is blank, blank, and blank, or Coach Yule was you know he was he portrayed this. Yeah, that's a good question, Jess. Um, you know, the last question of the day, so we got we got to fire it up. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I I would hope that they would say that I was authentic. Um, you know that I told the truth regardless of how hard it was to to do that. Um, you know because I think that if they if they felt like I was being an authentic person, then they could trust me. And I I want to make sure that I leave the players and the guys that I come in contact with with, you know, that kind of idea that, you know, without sounding too coachy or anything like that, if they ever needed anything that they could call me and that they would feel comfortable doing that. Um, you know, I, I think um, I'm somebody that prides myself on on doing what I say I'm going to do. Um, and I, I think that sometimes that can be difficult because it's really easy to say, I'm going to do this. And then it gets really hard to do whatever you said you were going to do. And, and can you stay on that road? Um, so I would hope that my guys that have played for me or that I've worked with could, would, would be able to say that I've been authentic in my relationship with them. I love it. I love it. Well, Adj, I appreciate you taking the time. This was awesome. Um, it was great to, to hear more about insights and philosophy and, you know, just who you are as a person. So appreciate you taking the time this meant a lot thanks for being our milestone double digit 10th episode jess appreciate you having me brother it was great talking with you yes sir we'll talk soon my man all right